everyone. I'm your host, Liana Pavane, founder of TTYL, human connection advocate, certified life coach, and most importantly, a human that's just trying to figure it out. I'm your unapologetic 20-something native New Yorker, advocating selfships. Yes, I'm in a relationship with myself while navigating the dating world. I'm on a mission to break down dating stigmas in our society and to stop ghosting. I started this podcast after my ex broke up with me over the phone. I know, at least it wasn't a post-it. And I realized that our dating etiquette was severely lacking due to technology. Each week, I invite guests onto the podcast from all walks of life to discuss their first date horror stories and best dates. Because let's be honest, we don't focus on the positives enough when it comes to dating. The best part about this podcast is that after each episode, I've walked away feeling more confident about myself and my relationships. So whether or not you're single, in a relationship, or find yourself in a situationship, I welcome you to get comfy as I dive into the uncomfy so we can normalize it together. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Ghost of Dates Past. I'm super excited about today's episode. I'm here with Shelly Crossland. She is a sex relationship coach and content creator who is passionate about helping others feel less alone through sharing her own experiences around mental health, trauma, sex, and relationships. She primarily works with other sexual assault survivors seeking healing and more fulfillment in their current or future relationships and offers both one-on-one and group coaching as well as a brand new self-paced online course. Shelly lives in Austin, Texas, and loves hiking, yoga, and listening to podcasts in her free time. Hopefully only this one. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, this is definitely one of my favorites, of course. (laughs) I'm glad. Well, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. I Yeah, I feel like I just stumbled upon your podcast at some point and was like, oh, this would be awesome to join. So I'm excited to be here. 100%. Yeah, I know you're going to have so many amazing things to add to this conversation, and there's just always so many things to talk about, so it's fun to just disperse the content and, you know, delve into different conversations every time, which is the best part. So let's dive in to the first date horror story. All right, sounds good. Yeah, it was interesting when I was trying to think about it. I feel like I've had a lot of kind of mediocre dates. Like, I haven't had a lot of amazing dates, and I haven't had a lot of terrible dates, (laughs) so that was just kind of interesting for me to think about, but yeah, the one that comes to mind is is just the state that I went on let's see it was probably it was about three years ago now and as it turned out like myself and the person I was on a date with were both kind of newly single we'd both just gotten out of like long-term relationships and I don't remember how it came up but it was kind of like honestly it was like a horror story probably on my end as well as his but like I just remember both of us kind of probably talking a little bit too much about our exes and about our like I think we were both kind of just not quite maybe ready to be dating again. But yeah, it was just kind of one of those things where it was like, oh, how long have you been on the apps, whatever. And then it was like, both of us kind of ended up just talking probably more than we should have about like, oh, I just got out of a long-term relationship and like blah, blah, blah. And it was, it was definitely one of those things where he was a nice guy and I felt like, okay, like I could be friends with him, but it was just the whole time, like much more of a friendship vibe, I think. But then I guess the part that made it it's not even, again, not really even a horror story, more just like the most, one of the most awkward things that, that has happened to me on a date probably was, so like towards the end, I like, I think we were getting along really well overall, like we were talking really well and all this stuff. And I think maybe because he was newly single, maybe he was like, okay, I kind of want to like try to kiss her or something, even though it wasn't like the date was going that well, but <laughs> I kind of was getting those vibes of like, okay, I think he is going to try to kiss me. And so he ended up like walking me back to my car and 
he <laughs> it's I the only way I can describe it is just like he just I think he must have at the last minute gotten really nervous or something and like went in to kiss me and just like it was just like the fastest peck ever it was like he went in and then at the very end just changed his mind or something and it was like such a like it almost felt like a middle school first kiss or something <laughs> where it was just I think we we're both kind of like oh gosh and I feel like I mean I understand I get nervous too so I was like okay I don't want to like you know but I think I was too awkward to be like should we try that again? He didn't say that either. And then the, the part that I remember that was just the funniest, I don't know, I just still think is the funniest thing. He like kissed me and it was like, yeah, this awkward thing. And then he said out loud, that was awkward. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't think I've ever had someone tell me that it was awkward after kissing me. And then he kind of just like turned around. I th again, I think he just got really nervous or embarrassed or something. And he just was like, that was awkward. And then just like turned around and walked away without saying any like I was like I feel like he could have salvaged it if he had just kind of played it off more maybe but yeah and then it was just like I think I think he tried to text me afterwards too to kind of be like hey sorry that was if that was weird and I was like no I understand and then yeah it was just one of those things where we kind of mutually never talked to each other again <laughs> I still like think of him every now and then I'm like he seemed like a really sweet guy I think he was just nervous after not dating for a while and then again I feel like I kind of in hindsight was probably talking about my ex, the amount that people are always like, you shouldn't talk about that, that much on a first date. So I don't know. It's not like the worst first date ever, but it was definitely a first time that someone has acknowledged that kissing me was awkward. So I just, I always like to tell that part because I think it was funny. <laughs> I love it. I mean, yeah, those rebound dates, I think can always be tricky because have you given yourself time, enough time to heal and first kisses on dates. I was actually just reflecting on this too, because I think many people would think that if you receive a first kiss on the first date, then that means that they're interested. And that's really the only indication to know. But I would disagree. I really think that as long as the person made it clear that they want to see you again, either during the date towards the end and making plans actively, or if they text you afterwards and say, hey, had a really great time and ask, when are you free next? That means that they're interested. I've also had people tell me that they're interested at the end of a date and then text me that they had a really great time. And then two days later, tell me that they don't want to hang out again. So I think messaging has to be really important. I will say I've definitely had awkward kisses as well, though, post first date where we kind of have just started maybe being more intimate or whatever. And I mean, it recently happened to me and this guy was over at my apartment and we like bumped teeth at one point. And he's like, I promise I'm not usually this awkward. And it was really, but it was really cute. It wasn't this first kiss and you say, I, I yeah, I hear you. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. I think that I never think that it's like you have to kiss on a first date or you have, or kind of, yeah, like you said, I think sometimes yeah, I've had like really like dates that went really well where we didn't kiss or or kind of vice versa, I guess, with this one where it was like the date didn't go that well. And maybe he kind of was wanting to try to say he was interested, but then maybe didn't know like like you're saying where it's like there's kind of other ways to show you're interested, in it, even if you don't feel like, I don't know, the atmosphere is right for a kiss or something. If like I feel like it, it kind of depends on where you are and like, I don't know, like I feel like there's like I think with him, too, it was like he so we had gone to dinner somewhere and then we decided to go to a bar afterwards like that was kind of close by and he was like oh, I can just drive you um, and then I'll like come and drop you back off of your car so I feel like 
when you're in a car, it's like awkward to try to kiss someone too. But he, so he didn't try to kiss me in the car, but he kind of was like, oh, I can walk you to your car. Oh yeah, this is the other funny part. I forgot about this, that he, he parked like right in front of my car. And I was like, oh yeah, that's my car. And then we're kind of like sitting in his car awkwardly. And I, I started to kind of feel like, okay, maybe he's trying to feel out if he should kiss me. But yeah, again, when you're in a car, I feel like that's kind of hard. And then, so he's like, oh, I can walk you to your car if you want. And <laughs> I was like, oh, well, it's just right there. Like for a second, I didn't realize. And then I was like, oh, he's probably like trying to initiate a more of an opportunity to kiss me. But so I was just super awkward. And I was like, oh, no, you don't have to. Like it's literally right behind us. Like (laughs) I'll make it there. And then I was like, oh, oh, I mean, I guess if you want to, you can. (laughs) So I, in his defense, I was probably making it extra awkward too with just, I, when I get nervous, I get very weird like that. But, but yeah, it was just, yeah. (laughs) I just thought that was funny. Yeah, I'm like, I think, yeah, if there's any sort of like weird situation or like if you're in a restaurant or something, I feel like it's like you don't want to try to kiss them in public for your first kiss probably. So it's kind of like I think it's it depends on the date and depends on like, yeah, like I think if if I have a yeah, like you said, like if I'm having a really good date with someone and they make it clear that they would want to see me again, I'm not going to be like, oh, why didn't they kiss me? Or like, oh, they might not they might not be interested if they don't kiss me. But I don't know just depends on the situation, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I completely agree. So tell me what led you to becoming a sex relationship coach in the first place. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's an interesting story. So I kind of, I started that kind of journey back in, I guess, towards the beginning of the pandemic. So I was kind of, I don't know. I feel like the pandemic, I, I guess a lot of people probably felt this, but I was kind of felt like it was a for me, it was like an opportunity to kind of start rethinking a lot of things in my life. And I was kind of like, obviously, I was spending more time alone at home. And I was just like, found myself having all these different creative ideas or different things. That was when I started TikTok too. And then I don't know, I just was like, I guess maybe just having more free time. I was like, I had more time to kind of reflect on what I wanted to do with my life in a lot of different areas and stuff. And I think I've always known that I really love connecting with people and helping people in some way and I when I started my TikTok I kind of started talking about more topics around sex and relationships and feminism and things like that and I just noticed that people were kind of reaching out to me DMing me on Instagram or or reaching out on on TikTok like asking me for advice asking me for like questions about things and so I think that's kind of how the idea first started where I was like obviously I'd heard of coaching before but I think the idea to specifically kind of go into like relationship and sex coaching was just yeah almost by accident with just I noticed the types of videos I was creating on TikTok that seemed like they were doing well was kind of in that topic. And then I ended up finding a really great training program called the Somatica Institute. And they, I just, when I kind of researched like their coach training program, I just thought it sounded really amazing. And I was like, you know what? I might as well. It was kind of a little bit of a spontaneous thing almost. I was like, I'm just going to do this and like, see if I like it, see if, you know, it kind of went from there. But, but yeah, it is kind of funny when I, when I was younger, I was definitely not the person that was the most open about talking about dating or sex or anything like that. So it's just kind of funny when I look back on it. I'm like, it's not like I would have predicted that I would end up doing this. But but yeah, it's been really awesome so far. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's so cool to see when it kind of happens by happenstance and just falls into your lap. And then you realize, oh, I guess what I'm saying is really resonating with people. Maybe I should do something in this space. So I think that's just that's just really awesome. And another thing that you really delve into a lot is your experience and your your history with sexual assault and sexual abuse and things like that. I can't imagine how difficult it is to talk about, but 
it's also, I think we're in this really interesting day and age where, especially with TikTok and these reels and things where people are able to be more real and able to like share their story through video and people talk about all different kinds of things and share their experience with depression and just all different kinds of mental health things. So have you found that by sharing your story with a lot of other people has really led you to heal as well as help others? Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, I've actually been thinking about that recently a lot that I I was kind of trying to think about like what the main things that have helped me heal have been. And I think, yeah, I think one of the biggest ones has actually been opening up more about it. Yeah, on social media and just finding kind of building more of a community of, I've been able to meet people on TikTok or Instagram, or I created a Facebook group as well. And just kind of like, yeah, getting to talk to people that have gone through similar experiences or just that have at least understand what I've been through on a certain level. And and then, yeah, helping other people, I think is really, yeah, has been a really big part of it for me. Because I think I, yeah, for the first few years after I kind of had those experiences, I was definitely not ready to start talking about it. And I also wasn't really like letting myself get the help that I needed around it. So I think being able to help other people now has been, yeah, super beneficial for me where I've realized like, okay, this is actually, yeah, it's a really healing experience to, yeah, to be able to talk about it for myself, but then also be able to feel like I'm helping other people and kind of just, yeah, meet people virtually or, you know, through the internet who I would never meet otherwise, but they, we kind of share this bond, which is, cool and I mean it's not cool (laughs) and it always sounds weird I'm like I don't want to obviously I wish that nobody had gone through that experience but it's like the silver lining of it I guess is that's how I would say yeah the silver lining is kind of that you can yeah meet people and you know that they understand you on a deeper level and stuff and yeah so it definitely has been one of the biggest things for my healing I would say Mm, yeah I I can imagine that I mean even sharing and being more vulnerable on my end in my own way on social media has been healing because I've found that people relate to that and people gravitate towards people who are authentic. You know, I think people aren't going to gravitate towards someone who is just a fake person and just posts these very superficial things. I mean, there is a place for those kinds of people. And I think we follow them more out of jealousy and comparison than we do out of actual connection, if that makes sense. And I think everyone has those people in their lives. I just, I don't follow anyone like that anymore because it was just depleting my mental health. And then realizing that those people are only posting what is gonna get them the most traction, not necessarily because they created a brand around it, right? So it's not these this real raw, emotion. And I also, something that I saw that you did was you got reached out to by one of your abusers recently, and you actually confronted this person over text. So can you talk about that experience a little bit as well? And you can also go back if you want to add anything to what I was saying before too. Yeah. So yeah, that was a really interesting experience. I, so my sexual assaults, happened when I was in college. I'm 28 now. So it was, yeah, many years, seven, eight years ago now. And so, and I, yeah, I hadn't talked to any, I had multiple different experiences. I hadn't talked to any of them since then. And yeah, so it was kind of this weird thing where I was definitely not expecting to hear from that person, but in a way it was kind of the timing of it, I think was good. And that, like, I think if he had reached out 
sooner, I might not have been ready or I know I wasn't ready because I didn't confront him when it actually happened. But I think now, since I have done a lot of work and I have healed a lot, I think it was kind of, it's just interesting that he reached out now and where I was like, okay, I actually do feel like I'm ready to really kind of confront him about what happened, even though it is so many years later. And, you know, I did, for many years, I did kind of hold a lot of shame around the fact that I didn't confront him about it sooner. or I didn't, I didn't try to report it or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, the experience, it was... It was definitely scary. Like my my first thought was like, maybe I'm just going to ignore him and not say anything. Like that was kind of, I guess, my initial thought when he texted me. And then I was like, no, I think this is an opportunity that I feel like I would maybe, yeah, I would regret not saying something. So yeah, it was just basically the he just texted me saying he was going to be in Austin where I live and was like, oh, we should meet up for a drink, which is, it's, it's weird even if he hadn't done that to me like you just to hear from someone I hadn't talked to in a long time but but yeah I just took that opportunity to basically be like this was what my perspective on what happened between us and I hope that this is not what you're still continuing to do and like I don't know I kind of for my TikTok and my social media presence in general I kind of try to take more of like an educational approach where I'm like even though he doesn't deserve obviously he doesn't deserve necessarily for me to be like explaining to him what he did like he should know that obviously but I think my mind is kind of like if for some reason he's completely oblivious and has really no idea that that's that that was not consensual then hopefully if I say something maybe that will stop him from continuing to do stuff like that if he is still doing that hopefully he's not but yeah so that was kind of my approach to it and and he didn't respond at all after I sent I kind of just sent a long text saying like here's the deal you know here's what happened and gave him kind of that opportunity to to apologize or anything I wasn't necessarily expecting it and wasn't really surprised when he didn't but but yeah so I did I did share that on social media and that kind of blew up and I think a lot of people were it was interesting because a lot of people commented saying like oh I wish I had kind of the courage to do, to do that and I was like I definitely wouldn't have been able to do it even a year ago or something probably so I think it it does obviously take time to get to that place where you feel like you could even confront someone about it so I try to kind of connect with people that way of being like it's not like I'm on this pedestal of like oh I'm perfect and I'm doing everything the right way it's kind of just like I happen to feel ready to confront him in that moment and yeah I think it it definitely helped me like it definitely helped me feel more kind of empowered even all these years later I think it helped with kind of those feelings of guilt around like not confronting him sooner it was like okay at least at some point I did confront him even if it was much after the fact but yeah yeah, no, I think it's it's amazing what you did. And I think it's amazing how you're helping other people through this experience as well. And I, I think those things are tricky. I mean, I've definitely had my share of unwanted experiences. And I've definitely just felt not empowered when having sex at certain times to say something if something feels uncomfortable or I don't want to do this anymore or something like that because I think we can often get caught up in the moment and we I think especially with sleeping with someone for the first time it can be quite uncomfortable to use your voice and be super you know you don't want to be super nitpicky but obviously if something doesn't feel right or you're not in the mood anymore or whatever it is and I know we, we can get into that conversation later but you know I think it's definitely taken me a long time and I think it takes women in general a long time to really vocalize more of what we're looking for because it's 
just the way our society is somehow structured for some reason that men get to have the say in most of these situations or that's what everything is portrayed in the media in that way the men are the ones in control take charge the dominant ones etc but it takes two people to have an intimate act together right so both parties should be equally as invested yeah definitely no that that was something I went through for a long time too was just like not yeah not feeling comfortable with saying if something if I wasn't enjoying something you know even when it was completely consensual but it was just yeah more of kind of what you're saying too where it's like maybe you're just maybe something they're doing you're not really enjoying or you're like you want them to kind of try something different or you want to try something different or whatever I like would just always kind of cater to what I thought the other person wanted and kind of like yeah let let him take charge basically um and yeah I think a lot of it is kind of society like you said and yeah I remember kind of when I did start getting more comfortable around that I even now sometimes it's like I I feel like the bar just is so low sometimes where I'm like whenever someone you know if I'm with a guy who actually is like oh what do you want or like it's kind of letting me like lead more it's almost like oh wow that's amazing that you're you know it's like oh that should kind of be the norm but yeah I think again like you said like with just different I don't know gender stereotypes and society and different things it's like yeah um a lot of men do think that they should kind of be more in control or that like women are automatically more submissive or, you know, different things like that. So, but yeah, I think you're totally right. I think, I think a lot of women struggle with that of like, I don't know how to bring it up if I'm not liking what he's doing or if maybe there's something they want to try that they like a fantasy or something. It's like, how do I bring that up? Or, you know, it's, we kind of taught that we should just be pleasing them almost, which is totally not obviously true and yeah like you said I think in any situation it's like I feel like what what matters more is just that both people are really enjoying it and are both really like enthusiastically like yes this is awesome you know it's like the actual kind of logistics of it if you will are like not as important it's just like okay if you're both really really into it then that's gonna make it better automatically so I think yeah kind of learning to get more comfortable about like okay if something's not working for you you should it's better to just say something in a nice way, obviously, or suggest something that you would want to try or whatever. But but yeah, it is hard. That Yeah, that was something that I, for a long time, I, I kind of had a realization actually around the time that I started, that I did my sex and relationship coach training, because the training that I did was actually kind of for, it was for people wanting to become coaches, but also some people were just taking it for personal development. Like, so I was kind of taking it for both. So I like learned a lot about myself and my past relationships and and what I wanted and things like that but but yeah that was kind of my big wake-up call where I was like oh wow I've been spending many years like not really thinking about my own needs or what I actually like in bed or or what I want out of a partner or something so yeah I think it's easy to not to not think about that but it's important obviously (laughs) totally totally and yeah it's it's for me so I started seeing someone new recently and it's very 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 new but I think one of the things that I really admire about this person is how open they are about discussing everything in terms of sex or mental health like his communication is just really really great and and this is something that I usually do with everyone is just talk about you know after the first time you sleep together talk about what you like what you don't like and we had this really candid conversation about what we'd want to try, what we wouldn't want to try. And obviously, I think there's a lot of exploration. Of course, it's a very big topic. But 
in the beginning, I think it's just important to get a feel for what the person likes and doesn't like. And then in terms of, you know, the the normal stuff, but then, you know, another th- thing that I really spent a lot of time working on during quarantine and because I hadn't been with anyone in eight months. And so I felt in a very vulnerable place for a long time because I knew that I wanted to be safer. I wanted to take things slower. I usually like rushed right into that. And so I really set those boundaries up for myself with this person and they were very respectful. Told them I didn't want to have sex the first time they were over at my apartment. And to many, they would think, oh, that's an indication. You're inviting him over. That's an indication that he's going to want sex or expect it or something like that. And and then I, I was like, no, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to have the conversation about safe sex and ask if he's been tested and go through all of the logistical stuff so that next time we're ready to go. And he immediately got tested and didn't question it or anything. And it just, yeah, it was just really nice to be with someone who was very gung-ho about everything, respected my boundaries, and we were able to have a really candid conversation and for it not to feel weird and uncomfortable because it shouldn't. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, no, that's totally... It makes a big difference, I think. I think it's, it's, I actually have had some, so I have like some younger people that follow me on TikTok who have reached out asking questions and stuff. And I think one of the big questions I get is like, how, you know, how do I know when I'm ready to have sex for the first time? Or like, how should I kind of decide like that? And and anyway, it just reminded me of what you're saying, because I think what I always tell them is like, if you don't feel comfortable to talk about it with the person you're planning on maybe sleeping with for the first time, then like, you're probably not ready to actually have sex with them because I think yeah like exactly what you're saying where it's like it shouldn't it shouldn't be weird or awkward to bring up things like if they've been tested or if you're on birth control if you're like just different things like that that yeah different things you would be comfortable with or not comfortable with or and I think if you don't I definitely have been in situations or like I have dated people where maybe I didn't for whatever reason didn't feel as comfortable when we would have those conversations and I feel like that can sometimes be a sign that maybe yeah maybe they're not as good of a communicator maybe for whatever reason, you're just not a good match or something. So I think, I don't know. I just always tell people that I'm like, like, and, but I think it applies either to like sleeping with someone for the first time, even though it's not like your overall first time, but also I just tell that to like, to younger girls who kind of ask me like, yeah, how do I know when I should, I don't like the term lose your virginity, but you know, <laughs> I'm like how, sh- yeah, knowing when to have sex for my first time, like, and I'm like, just, yeah, make sure you feel comfortable with the person, make sure you can talk about you feel like you could talk about that with them before you actually take that step so I think that's awesome that you did that too where it's like and I think too I don't know if you're the same for me I know I'm like I I have anxiety so a lot of times I'll be like if if I'm gonna sleep with someone for the first time I think knowing that all those other things are taken care of as far as like okay I know we've already had the conversation about being tested or he's been tested recently or we I know what you know, birth control methods we're going to use or, or, you know, different things like that. I feel like it's like, I can actually be more in the moment and enjoy it more. Whereas like, if I feel like I haven't had those conversations, then I will sometimes I'll be trying to like enjoy it and be in the moment. But then sometimes suddenly I'll be like, oh my gosh, I don't technically know if he's been tested. Like this is not safe. Like, you know, like that kind of like can bring you out of the moment. So I think, yeah, like you're saying too, it's like you kind of, yeah, you can have that conversation. And then the next time you see each other, you're like, okay, I know we're going to be good to go. And we're going to both be really able to fully enjoy it and not have like these kind of fears or different of like, oh, I, or even just, 
yeah, even just different things that you want to try or don't want to try. It's like not going in totally blind is sometimes kind of scary because you're like, what if they are interested in doing something that I'm really not or something or vice versa? Like, so yeah, I definitely think it should not be as weird of a, I think people, I think people think it's weirder than, I think people think it's going to be more awkward than it actually is. Like when they're thinking about it in their head, I feel like sometimes people are like, oh, that would be really weird to bring that up. And it's like, it's really not. You just have to kind of do it for the first time and show yourself like, oh, it's actually not. And again, you know, it's like if the person is going to be a respectful person, they should, they'll respond well to it. So yeah. And it's for your own protection. It's, it's setting a boundary for your body. That should be completely normalized. And I think another thing that we touched on in another episode was just this concept that especially for women, you know, a lot of times it's painful the first time or something like that. And that's just not true because it should never feel uncomfortable. It's a very natural thing and it shouldn't. Yeah, it just I mean, we were humans, we're mammals. The idea is to procreate. (laughs) Obviously, the added benefit is the pleasure and not we don't have to procreate. We don't have to do that. But I think it's, we need to remind ourselves that, and like, especially for teaching women, because I even remember learning the wrong things when I was growing up, that, you know, you're going to bleed on your first time, it's going to be super painful, but if you, if you do gymnastics, and if you do horseback riding, you should be fine. Like, complete BS lies that... (laughs) Just, yeah, oh, yeah, just go horseback riding and you'll pop your cherry and it'll be fine. (laughs) Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, there's so many, like, just, yeah, misinformation or just things like that where it's like, I feel like we all heard that growing up. It's like, where did that even come from? Or why is that still being told to people? Or, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I definitely remember thinking, like, yeah, because my first time, like, it didn't hurt and I didn't bleed and I was kind of, like, shocked by that. I was like, what? Oh, I thought it was, because I feel like I had, yeah, I was just like, like, oh, I thought every, like, I literally thought every single person bled their first time. I thought it was like excruciating pain or something. And it's like, that's not necessarily, I mean, some people do bleed, not you know, all that, but like, for the most part, like, that's not like it's a given or that's like, or I feel like it, yeah, it almost becomes normalized where it's like, as women, I feel like we are told like, sex is going to be painful sometimes, especially your first time. And really it's like, it shouldn't actually be painful ever or doesn't have to be painful ever unless obviously there's other like medical issues and things that could be going on if it is painful for you like every single time. But, but yeah, it's just so interesting how it's like we're conditioned to be like, okay, we're probably not going to enjoy our first time. It's going to be painful, all this stuff. And then for, for guys, it's kind of like, you know, sex is going to feel great for you from the beginning. It's always going to feel good. No, anything that she does is going to feel good. Basically. (laughs) It's like, that's also not true necessarily either. So I don't know. It's just, yeah crazy but it is yeah double standard for sure so let's hear the best first date story yeah I was thinking I actually like remembered this one I don't know why I I hadn't thought about it in a while but I was like oh yeah I think I definitely feel like this one would be what I would consider my best first date so it was I was in college and I was like it was over the summer I was like back visiting Austin for the summer so I met a guy who was I must have been my junior year of college and he had already graduated he was like a few years older so he had already graduated and so basically the date was like we so Austin I don't know there's a lot of like outdoor stuff to do here which I really like I think I mentioned that in my bio too I like 
just yeah hiking and things like that so the date that he kind of planned was just that we like well we went out to eat somewhere and then we like kind of went on a walk around like the downtown area of Austin and we have this like kind of river that goes like through the middle of the city and so it was kind of like sunset time so we just like went on a walk and we're like walking by the water and stuff which I I don't know I really like dates where it's like I don't know I feel like sometimes if it's just dinner it's kind of like okay what else you know I kind of like want to do something else afterwards I like that we kind of went on this walk and basically we ended up like sitting on this pier thing and we were kind of like just sitting there talking and stuff and then this like (laughs) it was such a random thing but this couple that came up they had like they were like in a little motorboat type of thing and like they came up right next to us and somehow we like started talking to them and it was just like a very spontaneous thing where they're just like do you guys want to like so it sounds so weird now that I'm trying to describe it but it was like just this random like older couple and they're like hey do you guys want to get in our boat with us and like but it was like okay like we just we we're like okay let's just go with it and so it was just kind of cool because it was like we got to like ride around on this boat sunset and like they had drinks for us and they were like a super sweet couple too so they were like asking that we were kind of joking with them because they're like oh like how long have you guys been together and we're like oh this is actually our first date and like <laughs> um, and they were like a, a married couple so they were kind of just like telling us stuff about like I don't know being married and like it just like felt very romantic in a way but then it also was kind of like fun and spontaneous because it was like we didn't plan to be on some stranger's boat, but um, <laughs> it was, and I think, I also think I like seeing the person I want to date with kind of like interacting with other people. Like it was kind of cool to see like, you know, whether it's like a waiter or something, you know, people always say like if they're rude to the waiter or something, but I think also it's like, you can kind of see how the person, yeah, just interacts with other people. And like, he was just like a really good conversationalist. And I felt like we just were having really interesting, deep conversations with this random couple that <laughs> it like sounds so funny but but yeah so that was kind of that was just the date I thought of because I feel like I think I like things that are a little bit out of the box where it's like something that you're not necessarily expecting um, not just like the average like like a dinner date can be really nice but I think just and then the walk I think it was just I like to like do something slightly active where you can like actually talk to the person and be getting to know them and then yeah it was just kind of cool so <laughs> that was like the random best first date I thought of that was one that I hadn't thought of in a while for some reason. So I guess it happened a while ago, but yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's adorable. I think that's such a cool experience. So spontaneous. I love, yeah, seeing a date, interact with strangers and going on a romantic boat ride. I mean, you hit all the, hit, hit the jackpot there. That sounds really, really fun. Did you see this person again afterwards? Yeah, so we, uh, i trying to think, we went on maybe one or two other dates after that then it was it was kind of one of those things where it was just like bad timing where I was about to go back to college and I went I went to college um in a different city in Texas and yeah so it was like I think yeah I want to say we maybe went on like three dates total or something and I did like him but it was kind of like I'm oh also I was yeah I was about to go to my junior year of college and I studied abroad for a semester in my junior year so it was kind of like I knew I was about to be going to Spain for four months and I was like okay, I, I wasn't really looking for a relationship, but I had, yeah, so it's kind of like a, just a fun couple of dates with someone that was, yeah, he was a nice guy. So it was definitely not just like one date, but it wasn't like, yeah, we didn't end up seeing each other much or like for very long after that, just because of the like timing of things, I guess. But, but yeah, I feel like the, I don't even remember what we did for the other dates. I feel like it was kind of hard to top that one, <laughs> which I think we like joked about that too. It was kind of like, okay, I don't know how to like top yeah, go, getting to go on a romantic boat ride, but but yeah. Cute. I love it. So switching a little bit, I guess going back, we kind of touched on it a, a little bit ago, but 
this topic of consent is something that you talk about a lot. I think it should be talked about all the time. But what are some tips that you can give everyone about consent? When to ask the question and how it can kind of shift while you're together and things like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I that's another topic that I feel like I started making a couple of videos about on TikTok. And then I was like, I thought this was common sense, but I guess peop- a lot of people seem to be interested in it or I don't know. It, yeah, so I, I do talk about it a lot. But yeah, I kind of I recommend that people have like a consent conversation, which can kind of tie into what you were talking about, how you had kind of a conversation with with this guy before you all decided to start having sex where you kind of talk about different things. But And I think like within that conversation, you know, while you're bringing up like the idea of being tested and things like that, I think you can talk about consent and you can kind of be like, what like something that I, I like when someone someone has asked me in the past was like yeah basically like how do you want to be asked for consent because some people do want more of a in the moment like stopping and saying are you okay do you want to keep going what do you want to do some people maybe do want to go more off of body language but I would say so I guess okay what I would say is like if this is someone that you could see yourself dating or like being in a relationship with I would definitely if you don't sleep with them like on the first date or something, if you kind of have like been on a few dates and you feel like that's going to happen soon, I would just like have the conversation and, and kind of ask them like what, yeah, what they feel like consent looks like to them. How, how would you want me to ask about it? Are there certain signs or things that might be a cue that you're maybe not as comfortable? I don't know, just like little, like asking kind of questions like that, I think is important. Then I would say in general, if it's like, if you're going to have more of a, if you're having kind of more of a casual thing or like a one night stand or something where you're like, I think, I think this is what comes up a lot for people. And kind of like what I said earlier too, I think people assume it would be really awkward. Like if you're getting hot and heavy and then to just stop and be like, do you want to have sex or something? You know? So what I tend to tell people is like, you do need, you do need to like make sure to get consent, but it doesn't have to, the way you ask it doesn't have to be necessarily the same way every time, or it doesn't have, you know, it could be if you're kissing and you're just like, you can just stop and be like, do you want to keep going? Or are you comfortable? Or are, you know, just like asking quick little things to make sure to kind of check in. And I think, I think also what I tell people is like, because a lot, a lot of, a lot of comments that I've seen on my videos about consent are people saying like, well, you can tell when someone's enjoying it, or you can, you can just tell by their body language or by just the way they're acting. You don't have to actually say it out loud. And I think when, the reason that that gets tricky is because sometimes someone might not be feeling comfortable where they don't, maybe they're not feeling comfortable to like say something or they, maybe they felt pressured or they felt like, or maybe, yeah, earlier in the night, maybe they were wanting to have sex, but then they kind of changed their mind later or something. But I think, especially as women, it kind of goes back to that conversation earlier too. It's like, we're kind of conditioned to, to be told that we should be trying to please him or, or trying to do things to make him enjoy what's happening. And so I think, sometimes someone can kind of appear as if they are wanting to keep going or they may seem like they're enjoying it, but maybe they are just kind of like not necessarily faking it, but like going along with it because they feel like pressured in some way. I don't know. So that's kind of what I always tell people is like, I think it doesn't hurt to just get that confirmation. Like even if you're 100% sure this person seems 100% they want to be having sex right now, or they want to be doing whatever you're doing. I've never felt awkward or uncomfortable by someone asking for consent like I feel to me it's a turn on I think a lot of I think most women I've talked to would say that as well so I think it's just it's more in your head if you're like oh this is going to be awkward or something but I think 
yeah, I guess, yeah, my general rule of thumb is just like, if it is someone that you see a longer term relationship with, I would, I would try to have more of like an actual conversation about it before you start doing anything physical. And then if it is just like you go on one date with someone and then after the date, you're like, you really want to go home and sleep with them or something like just in the moment, making sure to keep checking in with them and Yeah. And as things progress too, because I think, I know, I think a lot of women are like this. I know I'm like this where sometimes I might really be in the mood to just like make out and cuddle, but not want to go farther. And I think a lot of men don't necessarily understand that because they're just their bodies and, you know, just biologically different things. Like they are ready a little bit faster to, to have sex. They are, they don't need as much warm up time, you know, to be like, okay, now I'm, you know, they can like make out for a little bit and be like, okay, now I'm ready. So I think, yeah, I say that too, where I'm like, if just because she seems like she's enjoying or he just because the person you're with seems like they're enjoying like kissing you or even if some clothes have come off and things like that, that doesn't necessarily mean that they want to go all the way or something. So you still have to kind of check at each point of like, okay, is this okay? Is this okay? And yeah, I think there's ways to do it without being annoying or like awkward or something, which I think is what people are worried about. But but yeah, and then I think I think we mentioned this earlier too, but like it's just sex is just so much better when you are 100% confident that the other person is really really into it and like and yes, you can tell that from body language, but I think also just like having that verbal confirmation that that they are wanting it is just it can only make it better in my opinion. So, yeah, I I 100% agree and I love that. I think yeah, it's interesting cuz I've definitely had people ask me every time we get together, you know, oh, do you want to have sex? Do you want to have sex? Do you want to have sex? And I think it does get kind of, for me personally, I don't want to be asked every time. That's a lot. I think it's more maybe on the person who is not in the mood to say, hey, I don't really feel like it tonight. If it's more of a long-term thing or it's been a long-term hookup or something like that, because I, I don't know. I think, I mean, it depends. Everyone's different though. Maybe you do want to be asked every time. I can't speak, I can't speak for everyone. I'm only speaking for my personal experience, but I think that is a really good point because I've definitely been in situations where I've been dating people more long-term or even with my ex. And there were definitely times when I didn't really want to, but just kind of did. I didn't speak up and just say, Hey, like, wasn't, I kind of just enjoyed like what were you saying? Like, I just want to make out and cuddle and just be held and that's all I want to do right now and even when you start seeing someone new I think maybe having the conversation like exactly you said having the conversation of do you want me to bring this up every time with you are you just are you gonna let me know when you don't want to you know what what's our protocol here with the consent conversation moving forward because Obviously, in the beginning, it can be very hot and heavy. You're in the honeymoon phase, all that stuff. And you want to sleep together a lot. But that doesn't mean that you have to. doesn't mean that you're always going to be in the mood to. And, and you know, and I think in, in, as you get more and more involved in your relationship, I think sex becomes a lot different as well. You know, it's kind of this wait, this time that you can have together to really connect you because your lives can get really busy and then you don't prioritize that as much, et cetera. So I think it evolves throughout a relationship and it doesn't hurt to bring it up continuously throughout one. I totally agree with that. I feel like, yeah, I think, I think what you're saying too, of like 
yeah, a lot of a lot of people don't like that of like someone bringing it up every single time. And yeah, that kind of is like does go into just that conversation you can have with someone where you just ask them like like if you are in a relationship, it's like, okay, will you feel comfortable to just say you're not in the mood if you aren't or do you want me to be asking you or, you know, things like that, I think can just clarify it. And then and then, yeah, it can change, too, because I think I know for myself, especially because of my past trauma and stuff, I in the early stages of a relationship, I feel like I'm still kind of starting to be able to trust the person. And so sometimes I will need more of, I will want them to ask for consent every time, like in the first maybe few months of a relationship. But then like once we've kind of, once I've gotten to know them better, it's like, I don't need that anymore. And that can, so that's kind of like what you're saying too, or it can just change over time. And so it doesn't hurt to kind of check in with, with if you're in a longer term relationship and just be like, Hey, I know I have been asking every time, do you still want me to do that? Or do you not like that anymore? Or like, or vice versa too, of like maybe for whatever reason, someone is decides they actually do need more of that kind of check-in, even though they used to not need that or something. So yeah, just remember that like people, yeah, people change and relationship dynamics and things change. And Or also I think a big one too is like, if you're going to be trying new things, I think that's something that a lot of people talk about where you know, I've heard, I've heard situations where someone was in a relationship and they, their boyfriend wanted to try something new that they were not comfortable trying. And they, you know, they'd given consent to do certain things, but not that thing, if that makes sense. So it's kind of like, I think, yeah, again, if you're in a relationship with someone making sure that you, if you're introducing new elements into sex or the relationship in general, just making sure that person is really wanting that. So I think that that is actually pretty common thing that comes up I think is just like someone maybe assuming that the person they're with would be down for anything or whatever they're interested in and 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 then yeah it goes back to just having that conversation early on too and about consent but also about like what you are or are not comfortable trying and how to bring that conversation up I guess so yeah totally yeah I would agree I think that's that's a really important point as well I think as you're as it evolves and you try new things and having that conversation is super important outside the bedroom. (laughs) And so real quickly, I just wanted to touch on therapy a little bit because I know that you're a huge advocate. I'm a huge advocate. And I just wanted to know some self-love tips that you've incorporated since starting therapy and how your relationship to yourself has changed. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm definitely a big advocate of therapy. I feel like I I always say I think everyone should at least try therapy and at some point in their life I think it I think everyone can benefit from it for sure. But yeah, self-love has definitely been something that I've worked on a lot. I mean, I think it's always something you have to work on, but yeah, I think one of the biggest things that I've kind of learned is just just this idea of like trying to treat myself the same way I treat other people because I think I am naturally a very like giving person I like to help other people I like to make sure that other people feel comfortable or you know and so I think but then I think it's interesting through therapy and other other things that have helped me discover this I've realized like for many years I was I was just being very I was loving other people much more than I loved myself essentially and and kind of I was just taking care of other people all the time but not really taking care of myself and you know I think that self-love and self-care and all that kind of stuff is super important so I think just I've tried to kind of change my mindset around to be like, no, I do. I deserve to to treat myself just as well as I treat other people, you know, and I think and it's not selfish. You know, I think that's something that, again, by nature, I just am always like a very giving person. I think for a long time I was like, 
it almost felt selfish, the idea of like putting myself first or putting my own needs first or being like, even with little things, like I think I've, I've kind of started with just taking small steps of like, like if a friend asked me to go out to dinner one night or something, and I'm just kind of like feeling really tired that day, like, it's like, it's okay for me to say no, let's do it a different night. Like even small things like that, I used to just always say yes to everything and not, you know, not think about like what I needed. So yeah, I think that's been like the biggest thing is just kind of trying to stop, reflect on things and be like, okay, what, what do I actually want in this situation? Or what do I need? Or is this thing making me happy? Or am I just doing it because I think other people want me to be doing it? Or am I worrying too much about, yeah, other people's opinions? Or yeah, just kind of like focusing on myself more, which I think is a lot of self-love. And yeah, kind of just trying to reframe it in my mind of like, this is not selfish to care about myself, obviously. And I think, yeah, for me too, I have gotten back into journaling a lot. I used to journal a lot when I was a kid. And I think journaling has been just a really, really helpful thing for me to just kind of write out all my thoughts about something. If I'm feeling really whatever emotion, really just like being able to write about it has helped me a lot. So I think that's been kind of one of the biggest ways I've tried to practice self-love and yeah. And then just doing like little things to that I know make me feel good, like going on walks or hikes or, you know, having the right balance of spending time with friends, but also having alone time when I need it. And yeah, just kind of different things like that. So yeah, it's definitely like a process. And I think, I think, yeah, therapy can help a lot with that because I think just even, even the, the step of just deciding to go to therapy is kind of an act of self-love because you're saying like, okay, I'm going to pay to work on myself. I'm going to do something that's like just for me and my own myself. I mean, obviously it can also impact your relationships and things like that, but it's like an act of self-love to just be like, I'm going to do something to work on myself and to make myself happier. Yeah, I definitely, I agree. I think when we take time for ourselves, when we show up for ourselves, we can show up for others. And a lot of people, like you mentioned, that idea of self-care, self-love being this selfish act, but in reality, it's the most selfless thing you can do for others because if we are disconnected from who we are how can we be there for our friends how can we be there for our family how can we be there for our significant other our relationships our children our grandparents whoever it is it all comes back to us because we are all in our own little worlds and we all have everything going on and it's so important to just take those little moments throughout the day to reconnect, to center yourself. And my, like my therapist says, because I've been really overwhelmed recently with juggling lots of new things and projects. And she said that taking 10 minutes, everyone has 10 minutes to set aside for yourself. We all have 10 minutes to spare. And it's so true. It's so true. So for everyone listening, you have 10 minutes that you probably don't need to be spending scrolling on your phone. That's a really good point. Yeah, because I think it's easy to be like, oh, I don't have time to do this. Or I don't, or yeah, to kind of get overwhelmed focusing on productivity or diff- different things that you feel like you have to be doing. And it's like thinking about it as just, we all have at least 10 minutes in our day to just, yeah, do something that'll actually make you feel good. And yeah, I like that. I like that idea. Awesome. Well, this has been amazing. I just have a couple last rapid fire questions that I ask everyone. So the first is, how do you get excited for a date? Yeah, I think I just like to play like my favorite music or music that kind of makes me feel uplifted and happy or like sexy or whatever it is. 
So I just, yeah, I do that. I, I normally like to leave myself a lot of time to get ready for a date, even if it's like, even if I'm not dressing up super fancy or anything. I just, I think, I think I feel overwhelmed or anxious when I feel like I don't have enough time to get ready. So I think just like letting myself, like giving myself enough time to where I can kind of leisurely like get ready, listen to music, kind of get in the right mindset, I guess. And then, yeah, and I think I just try to like remind myself that it's whatever happens, it's going to be fine. You know, it's whether it's a great date or a terrible date or just, you know, kind of in the middle, it's like, it's just a new experience at least. It's something that might be a good story for a podcast someday. You know? Try not to take it too seriously, but also being like, I want to show up and like, and be present, but not be like psyching myself out too much before the date. Totally. Yeah. And what is your ideal date? Yeah, I think my ideal date is like, I don't know specifically, but just like the right balance of definitely like doing something where you can talk a lot. I think I liked, you know, I don't want it to be like a movie or something where you don't really get to talk during the date. So I think either going for drinks or dinner or coffee or something where you can like talk and get to know each other. And then I think I like that. And then like some sort of activity or, or something afterwards. So whether it's just like, yeah, again, it can be like as simple as like a walk or something or I don't know, mini golf or something. Not that mini golf's my ideal date, but just like doing something that's like kind of fun. You get to kind of see their like, I don't know, more of a fun side of their personality, I guess. And yeah, I don't know. I can't think, I mean, I guess my ideal date would be like traveling to some amazing, I don't know, place or something, but I, that's probably not realistic. <laughs> like being on a beach or something, but. <laughs> no, I love it. Reach for the stars, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I guess if I, yeah, private jet somewhere. No. <laughs> Thank you so much again for this conversation and your insight and where can everyone find you? Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been so fun. So on TikTok and Instagram, my username is shamelessly Shelly. Shelly spelled S-H-E-L-L-Y. And if any other sexual assault survivors are listening, I also have a private Facebook group that you can join that's called Surviving and Thriving. That's linked in my in my Instagram and TikTok bio as well. But yeah, those are all the main places. <laughs> Amazing. Ah, well, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much again. And I'm sure we'll be in touch on the gram and everything. And ah, just love what you're doing and all the amazing ways that you're supporting people and survivors specifically, I think is just really incredible. So yeah, I love it. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was fun. I always love talking about these topics. So (laughs) yes, yes, for sure. All right. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode or this podcast in general, I would greatly appreciate it if you could subscribe, rate, and review below. And if you can think of anyone who would enjoy this podcast, please consider sharing it. As a new podcast, the most helpful thing is to grow by word of mouth. After all, who doesn't enjoy a good date story? Lastly, if you would like to connect with me, please follow me on Instagram at ghosts underscore of dates past. And feel free to shoot me a DM if you have a comment, question, or would like to be a guest. I'm always looking for new people to bring on to the show. Hope you all have lovely weeks, and I'll be back next week for another juicy episode. Bye for now.